Larry told me, I guess we should just count my first book as a loss. And I said, not so fast. And that's one of the reasons today we're going to be talking about, is it too late to change my book? This is Chris Baird from selfpublishingmadeeasynow.com, where self-publishing doesn't have to be so hard. So the thing was, it was not too long ago, Larry, who had finished writing his very first book and actually got it self-published. It was a fantastic job since most people don't even manage to get that far when they're going with self-publishing. He got his very first book on the market. There was only one little problem, which was he wasn't seeing any sales on his book. Nobody was buying the book and he wasn't sure what the deal was. Uh, but his ultimate goal was putting multiple books onto the market and that would be the, the long-term thing, would be book after book, he'd build an audience and he would slowly see the traffic increase and the number of people who were purchasing his books. But it just wasn't playing out. So he started wondering what exactly is going wrong. The thing was, he was listening to my podcast and he was dealing with this subject of how to optimize his book. He had heard me comment that on the page, there's lots of things you can do to optimize your book. any All the way from your title to your, your descriptions to uh, the contents of the book, to the table of contents, to the overall structure, all of these sorts of things that we can do. And he realized that if he were to drop uh, at this point, drop that first book or count it as a loss, this would have a huge impact on his motivation. And he started doubting that maybe even if he did make the changes, it wouldn't really make that much of a difference and that this first book should just be counted as a loss. So the first thing he tried was he tried taking his book and putting it onto Twitter. That is where he would just post links onto Twitter and you would use a hashtag like KDP or self-publishing or, or exciting adventure book or something along those lines. Usually it would be within the genre targeting the audience that he was looking for, like a amazing sci-fi book or something along those lines, right? The thing was, is that he didn't see any sales coming through. And it reminded me of when I first got started, I also tried this exact same trick with Twitter, where I was taking Twitter and I was putting out onto Twitter my, my books, the links to my books onto Twitter and then hoping people would do it. And I saw the links I was using, these short link shorteners that I was using, I was getting 20 clicks on every book that I was putting out there until I realized all of those clicks were coming from robots where they just look at all the links that are coming on Twitter and simply archive those and then just mark it away. It had no impact on actual real human beings who would be coming through to look and purchase my book. So initially I was like, wow, imagine if I posted this every hour and then every you post every hour, you end up getting 20 clicks an hour and it has no impact at all on your sales. It's just a complete waste of time. And that was what Larry discovered on his exploration with Twitter. The second thing he tried, it was he asked his family members to go about reviewing his book for him because he heard I had commented on the idea that reviews play an important role. Just don't get it from people who are actually in your household. And that's exactly what he did. He got it from somebody in his household. And what happened? Well, surprise, they took down that review, which is exactly what happened when I was first getting started. I saw also that the importance of the reviews, but I didn't know how to get it because you would get reviews from people who read the book and liked the book. But then if you're not getting any sales on the book, well, who's going to be reviewing the book? So I figured, well, I just have somebody in my household go about leaving a review on their Amazon account. Well, they did, and it was taken down because it was on the same IP address. Now, I didn't realize at the time that this is a violation of Amazon's terms and services. And so, but since that point, I've come to understand that you have to be very careful when doing that. You can risk your account, in fact, by doing this 
getting reviews from people who are using your exact same internet connection in your house to do that. As opposed to, there's nothing wrong with asking friends and family who are not in your household to go about reading your book and leaving honest reviews when we're first getting started. And so that's until we got to the point where we're building an email list. But this strategy is a terrible one. And Larry also found this frustrating because of course, without the reviews, it meant that he still was not gonna be seeing any sales coming in on his book. And that was the point where he realized he should book a free discovery session with me where we could take a look at his self-publishing journey and see how far he'd come. So we were working through the his, his first book and we saw his second book and he said, well, maybe I should just quit the first book. I should just give up on it. And I said, not even close. We are not done with that first book. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to continue writing and working on the second book, but that first book was a very important one that we definitely want to pay attention to. We do not ignore your very first book because it can be changed afterwards. There are a number of key aspects with the book that can be optimized in order to ensure that the book itself is going to perform as best as it possibly can. So the first thing we did was we looked to see the title and subtitle of his book, and we discovered both of them were not targeting any audiences. Nobody was searching for any of the keywords he was using. And since he was dealing with like a Star Wars-like uh, science fiction adventure, uh, he needed to use terms that would be similar to those sorts of books like sci-fi or space opera or these sorts of terms that people would search for and then his book would show up. It's not just about choosing the right categories on Amazon. It's also about having those terms in the title itself. So that was the very first thing that we discovered. And from my own background, when I first got started, I didn't even understand what is a keyword. I didn't understand the importance that if you use the words that people are actually searching for, you're going to have organic traffic. That is people who don't even know you and people who aren't, you're not even paying for ads, they're simply going to find your book by coming down and doing a search and then your book shows up on the first page because you're optimizing your book to show up and rank for the keywords that are relevant to your book specifically. And if you aren't including those keywords in the title or subtitle, at a minimum, the subtitle, then you're seriously missing a lot. And that's one of the reasons I went back also on my books and renamed the books themselves in order that to make sure they were targeting profitable keywords. The next thing we saw was that his cover was, was really difficult to read the text on the cover. He decided to have all this small micro text. I couldn't read any of it. There's a reason they call it a thumbnail. It becomes the size of a thumbnail on a phone where a lot of people are making their decisions upon whether to buy your book or not buy your book. And so, the point he needed to focus on was this idea that we need to take your your book cover and if you reduce it to a thumbnail, can you still read the title? Now notice, we don't need the subtitle to be read. It's gonna contain a lot of this metadata that's gonna tell us, not keyword stuffing, but where it'll say something like, you know, space opera or science fiction or keto diet or whatever it might be that would be inside of that subtitle to let your reader know this is what it's gonna do. So when they see the title subtitle, they'll see it together. But on the cover, they at least need to see in large print what exactly the value proposition is. What is it that your book is going to give? And the second thing we discovered was that the artwork on his cover, it didn't match the best sellers in his exact same niche. And that is a huge one that I see so often. It's where you're writing a book and you're, and you're like, oh, I like this cover, it looks fancy, but it doesn't actually match what your readers themselves are looking for within your niche. And so this is a reason why you're going to wanna go back and take a closer look at the top sellers on Amazon. I use Katie Spy in order to do this job. And I look to see within your category, who is making the most money 
in that exact same type of book that you're doing and why exactly does your book look different than theirs so you know, one of the examples we had looked at earlier it was the idea like for example on a, on larry's here the the thing was is his his cover had lots of grass and green trees and things like that i mean it was a very nice cover it just didn't look like a science fiction book where we're expecting to see these huge spaceships coming through you know in terms of uh, what, what's going on and he decided not to do that route and if you look at the best sellers within the spaceship sci-fi sort of a thing these intergalactic battles uh, then that would be the covers that would be expected and if you can't find too many books that are doing this well then you can go to movies or other things magazines they're going to let you know that your target audience what exactly are they expecting so when they see that cover they're like this is for me i recognize this cover it's part of the part of the thing i love i love this and it looks like that like if you're selling a book on woodworking you might not want to put a dog on the front you might want to put like a table or some woodworking equipment Something for which the person would be like, yes, I understand and realize what exactly the value proposition that is for your book. And guess what? You can change all of this even after you've done the book. Now, there is one exception, which is if you're changing your title and subtitle and they've got it fastened to an ISBN for your paperback version, that won't be able to be changed. But you can still go and change your Kindle version. I have books where they don't match each other. That's okay. It's not a problem. They'll still show up on the same page. And it'll just have a different title when you're looking at the specific, the other one, right? Ideally, we would have a perfect title and stuff, but it's worth the sales in order to get those titles correct, even if we made a mistake in the first place. The other one that we looked at under Larry's, it was his author's bio, and that was the third thing. Uh, and I did not want to overwhelm. Normally, when I'm doing discovery sessions, we look for just one to three things, no more than that, that we can change. There's usually a list of about 20 things that can change, but in his case, in Larry's case, he didn't even have an author's bio. I mean, why would he care? Nobody knows who he is anyways, right? And then when he did come up with an author's bio, the first one he came up with, he's like, well, you know, Larry's writing books about science fiction and stuff. He says, well, I'm just dabbling in writing a, a book and I hope it's good. And then I also like to do uh, working on my car and I enjoy traveling and uh, uh, and sometimes I, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what it might be, do woodworking, for example, right? And all of these details are completely unrelated to his book. And the one thing that was related to his book, which was like, I'm dabbling in writing. This is my first book. These sorts of phrases are red flags telling people this is a bad idea to buy this book as opposed to saying i've had a passion for science fiction and outer space battles since i was a child and therefore it has had a huge impact on my desire to get get books onto the market with exciting stories that readers love to read in other words we're not telling people that we're a brand new writer who's dabbling in writing and we don't even know if we're going to make it this isn't what we do when it comes to this whole game here rather Instead, we don't tell them we've written 50 books if we haven't. We always are honest with regards to what we're writing, but at the same time, we don't have to signal things to show weakness. There's no point in doing that. Does that make sense? So in other words, if we were selling like a, a, uh, a service to mow people's yards, we don't have to say, and you're the very first yard, you know, this sort of a thing. We can rather say, hey, look, I have a passion for mowing yards and doing a great job. I've mowed lots of yards and I'd love to mow your yard. You don't have to say, and this is my very first yard ever I'm going to mow. That piece of information is not necessary. If they ask, then yes, we answer that question. Remember, we always keep it honest. That's the most important thing. But at the same time, we don't have to volunteer information that's going to make it less likely that people want to buy our book. So in his case, I looked at these three examples during our discovery session, and I realized these remind me back, take me back to my very beginnings. And I realized I made the exact same mistakes that he was making on his books. And so 
that was something to pull together there and the realization that you can go back and fix these things and you will need to fix these things. Some people have this idea that I'm not gonna put the book out on the market until everything is perfect and I won't need to fix anything. But that's simply never going to happen. And so that's one of the reasons why we definitely want to get this straight in our minds that before we go about doing this. So anyway, the uh, but finally Larry came along and he started uh, looking at his book and he made some of these changes that I had suggested a number of these and then as he went through it after making these specific changes into his book he started to see some sales coming up it's never going to be an explosion but you start to see some sales and it motivates you in addition he's using these very same concepts on his absolute next book that he's coming out with so the next step for Larry's journey would be on the marketing side and that's one reason why you're going to want to look up here for my best book marketing tip thanks